Hello, you're listening to Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church. Stephen Pollock is the pastor of Free Presbyterian Church of Malvern, Pennsylvania. The church is located at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. Thank you for joining us today as Dr. Pollock opens the Word of God and lets the Bible speak. Hello and welcome once again to the ministry of Let the Bible Speak. Today's broadcast is the first of two parts on the text in Isaiah 53, verse number 1, Who hath believed or report? It was preached earlier this month in Northern Ireland, and it deals with the theme of being faithful in the days of gospel rejection. Today's message deals with our responsibility to be faithful in delivering the report of the gospel, no matter the response of the hearers. May, may God bless this message to all of your hearts today. Well, let's turn in the Scriptures to Isaiah 52. I'm going to read from the verse number 1 of Isaiah 52. And we'll read down into the beginning of chapter 53. This is the word of the Lord. Awake, awake, put on thy strength, O Zion, and put on thy beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For henceforth there shall no more come into thee the uncircumcised and the unclean. Shake thyself from the dust, arise and sit down, O Jerusalem. Loose thyself from the bands of thy neck, O captive daughter of Zion. For thus saith the Lord, ye have sold yourselves for naught, and ye shall be redeemed without money. For thus saith the Lord God, my people went down aforetime into Egypt to sojourn there, and the Assyrian oppressed them without cause. Now therefore, what have I here, saith the Lord, that my people has taken away for naught? They that rule over them make them to howl, saith the Lord, and my name continually every day is blasphemed. Therefore my people shall know my name. Therefore they shall know in that day that I am he that doth speak. Behold, it is I. How beautiful! Upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publisheth salvation, that saith unto Zion, Thy God reigneth. Thy watchmen shall lift up the voice, with the voice together shall they sing, for they shall see eye to eye when the Lord shall bring again Zion. Break forth into joy, sing together ye waste places of Jerusalem, for the Lord hath comforted his people, he hath redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord hath made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Depart ye, depart ye, go ye out from thence, touch no unclean thing. Go ye out of the midst of her, be ye clean that bear the vessels of the Lord. For ye shall not go out with haste, nor go by flight. For the Lord will go before you, and the God of Israel shall be your reward. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled, and be very high. As many were astonished at thee, his visage was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. So shall he sprinkle many nations. The kings shall shut their mouths at him, for that which had not been told them shall they see, and that which they had not heard shall they consider. Who hath believed or report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, And as a root out of a dry ground, he hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. 
He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Amen. Let's take the time to pray, to seek God's face together, to come around the Word today. May God be pleased to bless His Word to each and every heart. My text for this morning is the words of the words of verse number one of chapter 53, that opening question, who hath believed or report? Isaiah 53 is one of those chapters that each and every child of God should be aware of. From the very beginning of your Christian testimony, right, right at the very start of your walk with God, you should immerse yourself in the subjects of Isaiah 53. It is that central chapter that in many ways unites both old and new. There are the prophecies regarding Israel, but pointing forward to the salvation that's found in Christ and in Christ alone. Of course, at the very core of the chapter is the content regarding the sufferings of Messiah, the Christ of God, the suffering servant. And yet as he suffers, we see the suffering being successful in the work of redemption. Verse number 5, with his stripes we are healed. His work is successful. Down in chapter 53 in the verse number 10, he shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. The success of Christ. He is one who is mighty and able to save, and he never fails to accomplish what he purposes to do. It's a wonderful, stirring account of the sufferings of Christ and the success of redemption. But this morning, I want to look at that question at the beginning of verse number one. Who hath believed or report? And this question is, I believe, to all of us today very, very relevant and very, very instructive. I don't want to go too far ahead in the study, but this verse is a verse that deals with the rejection of the Messiah. In a chapter that ends with a success, it opens with words that speak of the rejection of the hearers as they hear the report regarding Christ Jesus. It's important to understand this in the ministry of the church. It's important to grasp the reality that we're often met with widespread rejection and apathy. I certainly feel this in the U.S., in the sense of few who are interested to hear the gospel, little desire to go away from the material prosperity to consider the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It shouldn't surprise you, but revival is rare. It should be sought after. It was prayed for in the prayer meeting this morning, and I can certainly give a heart amen to that prayer. We desire God to come in an unusual fashion and bring revival to this church and the other churches. We want to see multitudes brought into the kingdom quickly and suddenly and surprisingly. But it's rare. I'd even go far enough to, far than that to say that it's very rare. Revival is very unusual in the history of God's work in redemption. Ordinarily, the church grows by the ones and the twos. 
And we don't despise that. We rejoice in that. We rejoice in children being raised in godly homes and coming to know the Savior and coming into the church membership. We rejoice in those things. But if growth is in ones and twos and not in multitudes, then that does imply that ordinarily we are met more often with rejection than with acceptance of the gospel. Generally, in end times living, they will not endure sound doctrine, but they will, after their own lusts, heap to themselves teachers for their own convenience. Rejection is the norm. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I wonder how many of you are involved in the outreach team here. And you go in the doors, and you give out invitations and gospel tracts. Consider how many people you've met in the last year. How did it go for you? How many received the gospel? How many trusted in Christ? I'm not despising your work. Your work is valuable. We'll see more of that in a moment or two. But I'm simply asking you the question, who hath believed your report? Rejection is the norm. Acceptance is unusual in the grace of God. Now, I want to make sure that this message doesn't simply go to your minister, although I'm glad to see him in the eye. I want to make sure it goes beyond your eldership and this church family, it goes beyond your outreach workers, but it also goes to those involved in personal witness. Perhaps young people in your school, you have a burden for your classmates and you tell them about Christ Jesus, who hath believed your reports. Or perhaps Sabbath school teachers and you've a little group of children around you in the Lord's Day. Who had believed your reports? Or let's make it even more personal to a mother and a father. And your children have been around you for years. Have they believed your reports? This is so, so very, very relevant to all of us today. So what are we to do? How are we to think if this verse is dealing with the matter of rejection? Well, what are we to do with it? Well, let me ask you the question, how will you serve? The subject matter is this, faithfulness in the face of unbelief. Are you determined to be faithful in the face of widespread unbelief? Well, first of all, I've got to remind you about your responsibility to bring a report. Unbelief does not absolve you of your solemn responsibility before God to bring the report. Verse 1 of chapter 53, of course, is an obvious statement. It serves as a bridge connecting the previous to what is going to follow. And it does so with this word, report. Who hath believed or reports? The word itself means something that has been heard. That's what it means in the original. Something that's been heard. In other words, it is an announcement. I can't take the time to go into all the details of the previous chapters, but you get the idea of captivity and restoration, ultimately because of the New Testament, coming to fulfillment in the coming of Christ Jesus. And so you get the report in chapter 53, or sorry, 52, verse number 7, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings. Now, keeping your finger in Isaiah 53, turn across to Romans chapter 10. You see, in Romans chapter 10, as Paul deals with rejection in Jewish hearers of his gospel, 
He uses Isaiah 52 and 53 to underscore what's happening in his own ministry. Uh, Romans 10, verse number 15. Again, you'll see here the language taken from Isaiah 52, verse 7. It says here, verse number 15, How shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. That's chapter 53, 52, sorry. And then what happens next in verse number 16? But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah said, Lord, who hath believed or reports? And so whilst there's significant application to the initial receivers in captivity of Isaiah's prophecy, there's clearly a gospel application as verse 7 of chapter 52 deals with the gospel of peace. And then verse 16 of Romans 10 telling us that's the same good news that is the report in verse 1 of chapter 53. I'm sure you see that connection. It's very obvious, isn't it? So the report in chapter 53 is the good tidings mentioned in chapter 52, verse number 7. And so really, Isaiah's report becomes our report. Who hath believed our report? He's not the only one preaching the gospel. His fellow prophets did, and we must do so today as those who continue that gospel evangelical legacy. The report of the Messiah. Jesus Christ the Lord belongs to all the prophets, the apostles, and those who preach apostolic truth. When Peter is preaching to Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, he draws again this link between the old and the new. As he announces Jesus to Cornelius, he says to Cornelius, To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, Whosoever believed in him shall receive remission of sins. He's connecting the old and the new. The gospel that Peter preaches is the same gospel that Isaiah preached. Why, that's such an important principle. Dispensationalism may not be quite as common as it was in previous generations, but we've got to hold on tight to the unity of the Bible, the one single gospel measures of grace that were saved by faith alone, Christ alone. That simple truth, that gospel that was Isaiah's is ours even today. But as you think of this report, the very word surely presupposes our responsibility. Something heard. Therefore, what's the obvious? Something spoken. If this report is heard, that implies that that same report has been spoken. It's been communicated to hearers. It's to announce the good news regarding Christ and his person and his work. And again, I want to think broadly here. I want to go beyond the preacher. Uh, I want to go beyond the Sabbath school teacher, the outreach worker, to family and parents and, and all of us. We all have this shared responsibility. As long as Christ tarries and we live, we have a shared responsibility to announce the good news, the report of the gospel. You see, there are different thoughts and schemes regarding evangelism. It's been something that's always kind of bothered the church. How do we do evangelism better? How can we communicate with our neighbors more effectively? And so you'll get, you'll get various programs and schemes to, to help you. Here's a how to evangelize. 
And you'll look at that and you'll think to yourself, well, I can, I can now evangelize. And those schemes are helpful. At least most of them are. But there are challenges with these schemes. They, if you like, give us a pattern of evangelism that does not account for the variety in the individual. You can meet two people in Lisburn town any day, and they're very different. They've different background knowledge, different personal circumstances. And so very quickly, you've got to make sure that your, your, your report, your, your treatment of them is to the individual, and not in some book form you learned from a manual. You've got to be careful. Clearly, in this ungodly age, people living reckless, sinful lives, the necessity is to expose them, as our brother will tomorrow night, to the schoolmaster. They've got to hear the law. They've got to be made clear that what they do is not human weakness, but sin against a righteous, holy God. They've got to be shown those things. There's great help in giving a word of testimony. Tremendous power in that, isn't there? I was blind, but now I see. Don't underestimate the power of your testimony, what God has done in your life, and telling others what God has done for your soul. Wonderful things to do. But in every circumstance, evangelism properly understood is only evangelism when the report is announced. You may make friends with people, you may talk about God, but evangelism is announcing to people the news regarding Christ Jesus. We must tell people about the Savior. We can make them feel guilty. We can point out their sin. But we must tell them about the one who is able to save them from their sins. And so it is our responsibility in this report, first of all, to tell them the events regarding Christ. I'm not going to go through all the Gospels. I'm going to borrow some parts from Isaiah because this is Isaiah's report. So we've got to tell people about the Savior And so you could turn back to chapter 42. Because here's a good place to start. As you tell people of the events regarding Christ. You see, Christ's ministry as the Savior does does not begin in Bethlehem. He is the elect of God chosen as the Redeemer before time itself. Chapter 42, verse 1. Behold my servant whom I uphold, mine elect. It indicates again that God's plan of redemption precedes time and God so loves the world that he gives his son. And as you think of Christ as chosen of God, you point the sinner to the love of God before time. This world is not in chaos. Adam's sin did not dissolve this world into such a state that God lost control. His love is such that he announces himself as the Redeemer, as a God who loves lost sinners. But you go from Christ as the elect, you go back to Isaiah chapter 7. And there you know the account, the Christmas story. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. As you tell people of Christ, you tell them of a Savior who is God and man. The one who's a day's man, the one who's able to reconcile God to man, placing his hand upon both. In the fullness of time, God sent his Son, coming in the likeness of sinful flesh, that he may redeem us from our sins. He's the the God-man. Emmanuel, Christ the Lord. He is the one, of course, mentioned in Isaiah chapter 9. 
And the verse number 6, For unto us a child is born, and a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He is the Messiah. He is the promised, anointed King. He comes to rule and to reign. He doesn't come to suggest your obedience. He comes to demand your faith and your allegiance to Christ Jesus. He is Christ the Lord. You go across to Isaiah 61. As you think of his ministry, he's the elect, the chosen of God. He's the one who came as God, Emmanuel, Christ Jesus in the flesh. But he's the one who ministers the gospel. Chapter 61, verse 1, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. You'll see that in Luke chapter 4, as Christ is in the synagogue, he's given the scroll, and he reads from these words, and he says, Today it's fulfilled, and you can then begin to tell your hearers of one who came and ministered in the power of the Spirit of God. He showed compassion to sinners. He showed compassion to those in need who preached the good news, who healed the sick, who raised the dead. You tell them of one who was no ordinary man. He's the glorious Savior, worthy of your trust and your allegiance, mighty and able to save. You tell them, of course, of his sufferings. You go back to chapter 53. And there you tell them, he was despised and rejected of men and man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. But his sufferings were not for his own sins, because verse 4 tells us he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He is indeed smitten of God, because he's the sin-bearing sacrifice. As he dies upon Calvary, he dies to take away our sins, that all who trust in him can know forgiveness of sins. What a blessed Savior he is. This is what you tell your hearers. You tell them of his glorious resurrection. 53, verse number 10, he shall prolong his days. Though he dies, he rises to never die again. He ever liveth to make intercession for us. This is the Savior announced in the Word of God. These are the words of the good report. So please, As you contemplate your responsibility for evangelism, make sure you know these things, that you understand these things, that these things are upon your tip of your tongue, that you, as you share the gospel with sinners, you're telling them about Jesus Christ. It's not about you. It's about their sin and the one who's able to save them from their sins the events regarding Christ. You also tell them about the explanation of those events. And they know the report must be explained. The events are are good, but we go beyond the events to tell them, as, as Peter did in Cornelius' house, that those who believe in him shall receive remission of sins. We can talk about the gospel message in terms of the events. He came, he lived, he died, he rose, he ascended to heaven. We can tell people those events. We go beyond that. And we say to them, if you trust in this Savior, you can know peace with God, be reconciled to God, be justified, accepted through Christ, his life, his death, his resurrection. 
But even beyond that, you have the events and the explanation. But even that, you've still got to go further. You've got to go beyond that. You've got to put the entreaty before them. You've got to entreat them, beseech them to be reconciled with God. You know our verse, who hath believed our report? That assumes that the report is announced in such a way to demand our response. The expectation that you must accept it or reject it. And when you hear it, you're confronted with a choice. Who hath believed or report? The report is more than a mere relating of certain events. Perhaps you've been in churches where that's been the case. You've been in a funeral, perhaps. And you've heard the preacher, and they've, they've explained the message of Jesus Christ. They've, they've mentioned his name often. They've even talked about the cross and the resurrection. But you've, you've left with this unease in your soul where you feel it just didn't quite get there. And let me try to put some words into that feeling. It is because you understand in this church that the gospel is preached for a response. The gospel is preached in such a way that the expectation is placed upon the hearer that if they accept it, they're saved. And if they reject it, that is their solemn responsibility. Preaching for a response. Offering Christ in such a way that people are compelled to respond in their hearts. I want you to pray, please, for our students and our young men. Pray for the older men as well. But we must never, ever lose the heartbeat of this denomination that preach the gospel evangelistically. That going beyond the saints of God, hearing it and thinking that's a good message, we preach in such a way that sinners felt the pressure of being under the preaching of God's word. That when they walked out of the church building, if they rejected the gospel, they knew they were rejecting a gospel message. We've got to get away from a kind of a popular gospel preaching that announces certain facts about the message, but never demands a response from the hearer. This is not a take it or leave it message. This is a take it or die message. These are things to do with your eternal soul. And Christ came to save those who believe in him. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Let the Bible Speak from Malvern Free Presbyterian Church. If you'd like more information about the gospel or the church, please call 610-993-3170 or email malvernfpc at yahoo.com. We extend an invitation to all to join us as we worship the Lord each week. You will be made very welcome. The church is situated at 80 Mallon Road, Malvern, Pennsylvania, at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. We meet for worship on the Lord's Day at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. A Bible study and prayer meeting is also held on Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. We preach Christ crucified.